today and some sunshine. And speaking of sunshine, joining me now, my good friend, Master Gardener, Barb Lamson. Hello, Barbara. Hey there, Karen. Boy, what an interesting week we've had this last week in the weather. Did you like that yesterday there was a little mini blizzard, then there was sunshine, and another little mini blizzard, and I thought, what in the world is going on with this this, uh, little weather system we got here? Yes, and all that wind. Yes. We had those gusts of wind, and the little uh, flakes of snow that were coming down were almost like little tiny miniature balls, and they were collecting on the shrubs and things, and I thought, wow, is this going to be an all-out blizzard? But then sunshine <laughs> yes, again. Yes, sunshine, sunshine. I yeah. know. So it's Minnesota. What can you expect? Right. You know, the unexpected. Well, but, you know, last weekend was so nice, and... Uh, this uh, there was a couple nice days this week. I got out and did some things, Barb, outside. How about you? Yeah, Karen, I really did, and I decided, you know, it might not be perfect, but uh, you know, I've got to get out and I've got to get things done. And one of the things I don't do, and I I know you do this in the fall, is I always prune up my raspberry bushes early in the spring. Because I have this summer blooming. They bloom just once, and they bloom on this old wood from the year, previous year. So I have to be careful when I take out wood that I am taking um, uh, the wood that was the previous year. And that requires, it's very hollow by that time, and I can almost snap it off at the root. But one of the things I do is I, I wear protective gear on my eyes, because when you're in a raspberry patch, the the bushes can scratch you in the face. You can really do damage to your eyes. So if you're going to do that, be sure you wear protective eye gear and also good gloves on your hands and then a good pruner. So I, I was surprised that my raspberry bushes, we had a lot of moisture last year, and they had grown, and they were just really all over the place. So the new shoots that were coming up, the suckers, I had to take some of those out because I grow my raspberries in a hedgerow system so that there's room for me to get in and and pick raspberries when they do happen. So I took some of those out, and I found three invasive things in my garden. One, a gooseberry bush, which was all prickly, and it was as tall as the raspberries kind of disguising itself, and oh. and that had to come out. And then I had this, uh, you know, this wood vine that grows in the woods in the forest. It's actually an ivy. It it gets on. It strangles everything. I know exactly what you're talking about. And and you know what? They can grow from just a little shoot because when we had a tree uh, taken down and we had it ground up and had the wood pile sitting, you know, all the chips sitting for a while, those little those little vines were growing in the middle of the pile. They were able to kind of come out to the top. So, yeah, I know what you're talking about. They're, they're invasive. They are very invasive, and they also will sucker and run along the ground. So at the main point, you may get part of it out, but if you just pull at it, you may be leaving some underground that's going to come up, you know, several feet away from that so be sure and follow that to its to its source and get all of that out while you're doing that and then um the other thing i found was um a um i i sometimes i call it prickly 
prickly something. It's 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 a vine that's smaller than that wood vine, but it has like prickers on it and small green leaves on it. And um, I see this in the south a lot. It gets up in the trees. And I also had one of those in there, and I dug that out. So now um, the dead canes are out, the suckers are out, and the raspberries look great. But what I've found is after I do this once, the next day I go back and I take a look and I'll say, oh, there's a dead cane in there. i got to get that one out and that one out. So, But they're all out. They're looking good. And they're all set for the time when I'm going to put the netting on top of them so that the birds don't come in and eat my raspberries. Well, you know, last year I had such a problem with that. Oh, I forgot the name of it, that insect. What they do is lay little eggs, and then they basically eat the insides of your, lay the, the little insect lays its eggs in the raspberry, and then the, the little larva grow in your raspberry, so then you've oh. got all these gross things in there. And so it... If you don't get them, I mean, mine were just decimated last year by that, and I can't remember what they're called, but, oh, that, they, they were awful. Not the, that's not the black picnic beetle, is it? No, it's some kind of a fly, if I recall. It was like a, oh. fly, a flying insect. I'll have to, to figure that out, but it, I don't know what to do about it. But last year they, you know, pretty much decimated anything I didn't get basically picked right away. Yeah, that that's nasty. That's very nasty. I found, found that by keeping the size of my raspberry patch down in size and getting plenty of air circulation in there. When a cane gets really big, and it's a fruiting cane, it's one that's going to have fruit on this year, and it bends over, I take off that top. You can, you can t- do that. You can take up to a fourth of the growth of your cane off, and it won't disturb the production of the fruit. So, you know, maybe if you can get... You can prune them down a bit, Karen, so you get more air circulation coming in there. Maybe you won't have so much of a problem. Well, yeah, mine are were there when when we bought the the lake place, and so they're very much overgrown. There's, you know, yep, and yep. I so yeah, there's there's an issue, and I know I have to deal with that, and just yeah. haven't had a chance yet. But it's worth it. It's so worth it to have your own raspberries. Oh my goodness, I I just so look forward to that. That is really really great. Well, getting that done was was really good. And while I was crawling around on my hands and knees and all dirty and with my glasses and goggles on, I discovered that the uh, hepatica are up. And that's a a little tiny, uh, it's one of the ephemerals. These are plants that come up first, usually just send the bloom up before the leaves are there. But the leaves, the old leaves can still be on it. They'll be brown on that plant. This, it, it's grown in my hosta bed, just a really beautiful plant. It's, it's making a clump. I had ordered this plant several years ago and moved it around. I ended up closer to my house so I could watch it and do it, didn't do anything there. I stuck it in with the hostas. The hostas kind of covered it up so it didn't get too much sun in the summertime, and it just took right off. And now it's, it's just... It's just a nice little clump. I'm really happy to see that little hepatica, and it has lavenderish flowers on it. It probably has eight or nine flowers. Eight or they just it, it's small, but it's just you know the challenge of of being able to have something like that. And then in abundance, in several spots in my yard in the perennial garden, I have the blood roots, 
and they are blooming their silly heads off. Now they're a, a wildflower blood roots, yep. I, and I don't have any, so I don't know if I, you know, my woods if I could transport them some. I suppose you you really shouldn't transport them. You have to buy yep. them somewhere, right? Right, and and I have an area that I noticed uh, where I I have an isolated one. So that's yours. That's got your name on it. Yay! So, okay, yeah, I'm excited. We'll give you that. We should wait till it gets done blooming. Yes. Very distinctive leaf on it. Very, very, very nice. And once you get it, they just, if you put a stake in there so you don't dig, you know, dig around it or anything, um, they like shade, you know, so they shouldn't be out in the hot sun. If, you, if you've got a, you know, an area where you get even hostas that would shade it out, it work, would work well, or close in by your house where you've got shade. And they like moisture, too, don't they? Yeah, they do, but they don't want to be wet. Right, so. right. And talking about wet, so, you know, my wonderful husband, David, who built our pond that has been just something that I've really, really enjoyed, um, he was out with his uh, boots on and uh, with the skimmer, and he pumped out the pond and cleaned it up and put in the uh, uh, pump for that, for the water and that. And he also designed a cage. We're going to have fish in there, but we're going to have just really small, like goldfish, nothing big and exotic like you have. But So they have a place that they can swim to in case the raccoon gets busy and starts <laughs> fishing there. So, so that's down at the deep end, and that's a couple feet da- deep down there. So, so we have a, a home ready for the fish. Now we just have to wait till it warms up a little bit. Now we'll remember, with the smaller pond, you have to be careful not to have too many fish because if you have too many, they produce too much waste, and that creates a lot of nitrogen buildup. And and so that's something. Make sure you read. I can't remember what the formula is, but it's a formula for how many gallons you have to how many fish you can actually have. Yes, I read that. So also. Um, you know, I'm going to use the yellow flag um, iris in there, and so they are up, and I'm going to take some of these. Um, when I say they're up, they're, they are in a clump, but right. they just have a little bit of green sticking out, and I'm going to get some of those in plastic pots, and you plant them in with, with clay and uh, rock and sink them in, and and that will be one of the things that I'm going to use for uh, helping to keep the pond clean. And then I'll have to purchase a couple of other things, maybe the water hyacinth. I was going to say, you know, until I did the water hyacinth, I was having a lot of problems with overgrowth of that algae in the pond because when it gets, well, yours is in more shade, but when it gets a lot of sun and stuff, um, that just took over. And also the fish need some shading. So the water hyacinth, you should get one of those and they multiply like the Dickens over the summer. And, you know, eventually I took, had to take some out because they were covering the pond. You don't want it all covered because you need some. But the thing was, then I could, I just composted those that that overgrew and they, I found them to be a really a nice thing. But the deer like water hyacinth and the water, what's called water lettuce. So I'm just saying that (laughs) you'll have to watch out for that too. Well, so the yard is fenced and get in there. It's rabbits and coons. That, that we have to watch for in our backyard, the most rabbits and coons. Can they get in the, through the fence even? No. The, 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 the rabbits and coons, oh, my goodness. 
the do they climb over? How do they? Are they digging yep. under? Oh, the raccoons can just climb. You never oh. seen anything like that. Okay, they'll climb right up the posts on my uh, deck. Okay, and go up to the pergola on top. And then we used to have the bird feeder hanging down from one of the beams, and they would hang up there upside down <laughs> and open up the bird feeder oh and take out the feed. Oh dear. Rac- Raccoons are really clever, as are squirrels. So um, that those things we worry about. The rabbits, I shouldn't say this, but we haven't seen rabbits this spring. We think we've got them. We've got every place solved. You know, they were digging under the fence. David extended boards and filled in and put in bricks, and <clears throat> so we we seem to be keeping them out. And I guess evidence of that is. We've had several bunches of crocus, and they're blooming, and they're absolutely beautiful. My crocus are blooming like crazy out at the lake house. I don't. I guess I haven't really planted any here in in town, but my also my hyacinths have started to bloom, Barbara. So that's kind of nice, and they have such a beautiful scent. And I know a lot of people in the spring will see my yard because the tulips will start to come out. They say, "Oh, where did you get those plants? Where can I get those plants?" Well, you those are the ones again. I remind people you plant in the fall. And then they come up in the spring. So if you see all these beautiful flowers in the spring, a lot of times those have had to had at least six months or, well, more ahead of time to to uh, get that beauty in the spring. You know what's interesting, Karen? Uh, this is the first time this happened this way, but in the fall, when the tulips, especially tulips, you know, I'm so fond of them, when they go on sale, I just think, well, <clears throat> I really don't have time to plant them outside or have a place, but what I could do is maybe I could plant them in pots. And so I planted four pots of tulips. And <clears throat> when the tulips started coming up outside, they also started um, coming up in the refrigerator where I had them. So now I've moved those pots, I'm watering, watering them every day, into my greenhouse. And while there isn't heat in there at night, it stays warm enough so they don't freeze. So now I thought, now that's great. I can just take these pots, and if I have some place that's a bare spot or something, I can set them out there. Well, that is a nice thing about having container plants. And I went to uh, the Minnesota Hosta Society, had a, a speaker earlier this year. I want to think, say it was January maybe. And they talked about planting your hostas in pots. And the reason is then you can have things that stand up a little more in the garden, add maybe a little color, and you can move them around as other things maybe fill in. And so that is a, the advantage of having some things in pots. So it, it, they're just kind of nice as a decorating, uh, uh, I guess, uh, accent for, for your garden because you can move them around. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, sometimes, um, especially like with um, hostas, you, you don't know you have a bare spot until everything's come up, and then it's maybe <laughs> right. too late to, to plant uh, anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know what? Um, planting things in pots. My ranunculus. We talked about this last week. Yes. That I planted. Um, they are ready to be transferred into a bigger pot. They love being warm and in full sunshine in the house. I have five bulbs, and all five of them sprouted and just. I mean, they're just lovely little plants now. It's just very, very rewarding that something you've never grown before. And I always thought that this would be so difficult to grow. But 
And it's so expensive to buy those in the store. Oh, yes, for, for sure. <laughs> hey, Barb, we should probably mention, you know, we're going to get some snow here. And yeah. I don't know if some people might be worried that their crocuses and their tulips and other things are sticking out of the ground. If folks are worried about the snow falling on them, will they, they need to cover them? And so let's talk a little bit about that because some people may be concerned about that. Well, you know, the, the, the spring bulbs, so far as the snow hurting them, it doesn't. Like the um, crocus, um, I've got scylla, which is up all over the place and blooming. It doesn't hurt that, but uh, the blooms are almost done. They don't last that long anyway. But now the daffodils, they are just gorgeous this year. The leaves are big. The, the stems and the buds are really, really big. <clears throat> and what happens is the snow will get on them and it bend them, bends them over. So if that happens, rather than having a nice upright plant, you'll have blooms that are just, it's, it's hard to get them to stand up again. That's what I would like. Yeah, but I mean, the, generally <laughs> it's okay. And if you have some plants up like peas or things, generally a little snow, they don't mind that sort of oh. thing either. So there's some things that I planted like peas. Well, mine aren't quite up yet, but they're in the ground. They'll be fine. Some of those colder crops. So, <laughs> it, but if you did put any, you know, there's people when it got to be 70 degrees out, might have put some annuals out in a pot thinking, oh, it's warm enough. Well, make sure you take those sorts of things inside because if they're oh, annuals, yeah. those will freeze. Oh, yes, Absolutely. Yeah, that is so true, too. And the tulips, what happened here a few years ago was um, the uh, bulb grew and the leaves were on and then the flowering stem came up and then we got cold weather. It wasn't snow. It was, it was below zero weather or it was close to below zero. It was very cold and it froze that stem, that bloom, and went all the way down into the bulb, and, oh. and the bulb rotted. So that can happen. If, that, if we were going to have really cold weather, you might want to somehow protect them. But if you have a lot of tulips, I counted, I have 20 different uh, places where tulips are up now, and, uh, and that would be too many to cover. So I would just have to, you know, if, if they freeze, they freeze, you know not a big investment right still too early i think to go out to rake the lawn i've been out there picking some pine cones off the lawn and putting them in a little bucket just to get them off the lawn but i don't want to rake yet and i've seen people out there because then you can tear those little roots of those little grasses that are forming and and the grass is just starting to to wake up and i actually saw you'll never believe this barb i saw a guy mowing a lawn this week Really? Oh wow. my gosh, there was no green grass even. I, I thought, why, why is he doing that? So I have no idea, but um, it's still it's still really early for that. Right, right. Yeah, th- that's really not necessary. It's best, you know, the, the soil is still very cold and wet, soggy, yes. so don't compact it. If you can stay off from it longer, that's much better. And you know, this last week, the grass really started looking nice and green and filling out. It just um, it loved that weather we had last week. Yes, it it was it was very very nice. And we'll get a little cold. It'll come back, and you know we'll we'll still be able to to be on time. I think this is an earlier spring than we've had the last couple of years, though, don't you? Yes, yes, absolutely. And you know we went up to Good Council this week. I knew there wouldn't be anybody there. <clears throat> it was too windy. It was too cold. 
and it was really windy up there, but we were dressed warm, and we knew that we should think about uncovering our strawberries. And we use a mulched leaves uh, to cover them with, but even that uh, compacts if it's left too long. And so we pulled the uh, leaves off to the side, and they're, they're right there. So if we would get really cold weather, especially when they've got the blooms on them, you don't want to lose the bloom because then you wouldn't have the fruit this year. Right, yeah. And then you would just pull those leaves back over them again. And because the fence isn't up to keep the deer out of there, we have to, when we uncover something like that, David made sort of a uh, a half a A-frame. So we have cattle fencing up there, that hard cattle fencing. Mm-hmm, right. Very rigid. The panels, <clears throat> yeah. And prop that up on stakes that came up so it was slanted down and the deer couldn't get at it. Otherwise, you know, they just like to... Uh, Mulch on uh, mulch. mulch. They like to munch on everything. Oh, absolutely, and and baby bunnies do too. Because even if it's bad tasting, they don't know that. So a lot of times you do that. But you know, this is the first year. Cross, I should knock on wood or cross my fingers or something that the deer have not bothered my tulips. But Jeff started early with spraying that deer repellent on them, and yes. so I think that has helped. So real, real early <laughs> on, he was out there on a regular basis. You know, if it would rain or wash off. So so far. I might actually have some tulips that will make it and not get eaten because last year it was just a disaster. I didn't do anything apparently to get out in time to to do it. So I think we might have some this year. And you know, with the tulips, unlike the uh, rabbits, when the rabbits come in and eat, uh, at least in my yard, uh, in the front yard, the rabbits don't eat down to the you know uh, to the to the dirt. The deer, when they're eating up there, they eat everything. It, it's it's just it's just totally gone. I don't know how anything could survive with them munching on it. Right. So so that may be a good thing. And I know I've had people in the host, with the hostas. I've been put malorganite, which is a natural yeah. organic fertilizer, around my hostas in that garden. And I also have put those around my tulips. And they So that could be a part of deterring them. And a lot of people say that deters. They don't like the smell. And as we know, it's made out of sewage from Milwaukee. And so it also fertilizes them. So, I mean, that's something I've done different. So I'm crossing my fingers that I won't have that problem. And I'm hoping my slug problem won't be so bad because one of the things I've always done in the past is leave the leaves of the hostas on the garden because I thought, well, it protects it from the winter. Well, that's the thing where you get all the slugs because all the eggs and things are under there. So last fall, I removed them all. So I'm going to see, hopefully, I won't lose any hostas and hopefully I won't have as many slugs. So just trying something different. Yeah, I think I think that's what you have to do. And um, I did that too, Karen. <clears throat> and I kept uh, checking underneath rocks and things, trying to find out where they were hiding. And really... I would turn these bricks or rocks or a board over and find slugs and put them in the <laughs> soapy water. And I was just amazed going into the fall. You know, it was cold outside, and yet they were still active. 45 degrees is what the soil is, I think, they have. So they're, they're awake already. Yeah. Well, you know what it said in the paper today? Oh, it I didn't said, see it. At Wasika, no. 57 degrees. Oh, the so soil far. is? Oh, my goodness. Okay. It wouldn't be, though. That has to be a mistake. Okay. Because the soil wouldn't be that warm when the temperatures aren't that warm at night. I mean, so 
I think that they hit the wrong button. I think it should be 47, not 57. Well, Barb, I know you have a thermometer. Why don't you go out and check? Yeah, well, I can do that, too. But, um, yeah, I, I'm sure, you know, even if it's in the first inch or two, that's not what you're concerned about. You're considered, cons, uh, concerned that it's warm several inches Is down. it like four or six inches or something like that? Yeah, at least. Hey, Karen, you know what else I did this week? What? I, I've been dividing up my time on, on different projects. First of all, I started my tomato. I planted my tomato seeds, mm-hmm. and I'm raising a mortgage lifter this year. And, and that's, that's a tomato you've discovered before <laughs> that's an amazing, amazing uh, producer, <laughs> and it's, it's a, an heirloom, I believe. It is. And um, this is this man that put it on the market that was, uh, I don't know if he hybridized it or, or how this came about, but at any rate, um, he started selling plants, and he sold enough plants uh, so that he could uh, pay off his mortgage, which was $5,000. Oh, wow. So, I mean, okay. this was a long time ago, but that's kind of an interesting plant. Um, my son grows that in Alaska. And that plant is big. It's an indeterminate. It keeps growing and growing and growing. And the tomatoes are big and delicious. And they seem to have fewer seeds in them than normal tomatoes. So <clears throat> I've, I've got those going, and I'm hoping to have a good crop of those, along with a recommendation from our good friend Harvey, whose daughter, Londa, does all the canning of tomatoes for the family, and she cans hundreds of quarts of tomatoes for that family every year and the tomato that she's using is aroma and i believe it's called super juice super juice that's and is it super juice super it's it's super sauce you mean super super sauce yeah because harvey and i I just talked with harvey earlier this week and he was talking about he had started the tomato seeds as well as as getting some of the peppers going and super sauce is one that's really excellent for making well canning exactly yeah yeah exactly because you know a lot of times you have a tomato and when you cut into it it has those like air pockets and it's just full of seeds and it's you want the pulp you don't want that that all those seeds and that in there so when you get something that's just has a lot of pulp to it it goes a lot faster especially when you're canning hundreds of jars and I remember at one time last summer, she was at 200 jars, and then they still had more tomatoes because, of course, Harvey, he has, he grows, starts a lot of seeds, he grows a lot of tomatoes. Right. And and I, I have put in my order with him, uh, yep. he's getting me a tomato berry, that's my favorite all-time plant, and I've ordered yep. a couple from them, and then also my yum-yum pepper is another one I want, and Sadly, though, because of the COVID-19, we will not be having the Master Gardener plant sale, and I'm really disappointed in that. So I talked to Harvey, and he's not starting nearly as many tomatoes because a lot of people look forward to that as getting their awesome plants from him. So that's that's going to be kind of a disappointment this year. Yeah, that's it's, it's actually, you know, it's a disappointment for all gardeners who want to go in the spring and look and see what's being offered and start something new. Right. You know, I love adding perennials to my border. Uh, one of the plants that's kind of like an ephemeral in that it comes up early and a lot of times it keeps its foliage during the wintertime are the pulmonarias. And I see 
I've got, I believe it's called Moonbeam, and that plant, it's just so hardy. It takes shade, it thrives on neglect, and has beautiful foliage on it. It's green with white, and uh, it'll be blooming soon. Uh, it's uh, also known as lungwort is another name for it. <laughs> and it has, the, the, mine has those like spotted leaves in uh, likes the shade, and then they get those delicate little blue and purplish pink flowers on top. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful perennial yeah. for putting all, uh, among the hostas and, and just kind of a nice little different <laughs> texture is what I use it for. Yeah, yeah, very, very nice. You don't have to prune it. It grows so big, and then it just stops. It's just a nice little clumpy plant. If you want to divide it up after a few years and start spreading it around, you can do that, too. Mine actually had little babies, so it was kind of nice. It had the little babies, and what I did then was just... um, transplant them in different areas so I, I took some from the home place here out to the lake house so I've got some growing out there too yeah say Karen I know that you've been busy uh, starting at home some of the uh, 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 potted plants that you normally grow I have because and- just to get things of uh, a little head start to break dormancy so I've potted my big elephants here because you have to p- lift those in the fall and some of the other things are I had got some lily, some Asiatic lily bulbs. I'm starting to get those started ahead of time. It's too early to put those out yet, but I'm starting them in pots inside where it's warmer so they'll break dormancy. And then when it gets warm enough outside, probably the end of May, I'll put them in the garden. But I also started some astilbe. Uh, astilbe generally are a lot shorter, but they, they love shade. So it's an excellent shade plant that adds color. I found some at from the uh, uh, Horticulture Society, 50 inches tall, and that's really almost unheard of that tall. So I'm really excited because they will be nice in the the uh, shade garden to, to show a pop of color above the other plants. You know, in, in Georgia, that garden, I planted some stilby into the shade um, perennial border, and I, I was surprised. Uh, Patricia had ordered these from a seed catalog and they came they were beautiful roots i you know some companies do this so well because you don't have a really thick root you have fine hairy root mm-hmm. on it and they came and i dug out the soil which is all red clay there and put in just wonderful new compost in there and mixed in some fertilizer and they never missed a beat I watered them well. In a couple of days, the leaves were coming up and doing just beautifully. So um, a stilby would be one of my favorite shade plants that there is. They're hardy. They do like plenty of water, though. Yes. All right, Barb, I'm sorry we are out of time, but uh, let's chat again next week. And until then, you get outside when you can and, and uh, work inside when you when you have to when it's too cold out. Yes. And thanks to all of our listeners for doing such a good job during this time, staying inside, you know, helping others. It's just great to hear the stories of people just uh, rising to the occasion and doing what they can for other people. So until next week, thank you, Karen. Yep, thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, it is 4.30.